0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast. Thank you once again for joining me as we learn and explore the world of alternative investing together. Before we get to our guest, if you're ready to start creating your own economy and taking back control of your life and kicking that billable hour to the curb, start by going to attorneybydesign.com, whether you're an attorney or not, and downloading the Freedom Blueprint. All right, kiddos, today, we need to dream big, real big. If you're just pushing a few bucks into your 401k or buying the newest crypto coin at two cents a piece or playing around on Robinhood or even thinking about buying your first or next single family rental, just stop right there. You're better than that. You're more intelligent than that. Think bigger. Think about how you can stack scale, and supercharge your investment returns so that you can buy back your precious time. Be intentional with your investment dollars. Have a plan. For example, listen, take that couple hundred grand you have in savings and put it to work. Throw it in an infinite banking policy where it gets 5% interest. Borrow against that policy. You have to start a passive franchise, let's say like a laundromat. Use the other half and put it in a passive commercial real estate investment. The franchise will generate ongoing profits. The passive real estate investment will kick off cash flow and likely double your money in three to five years and reinvest all of those cash flows back into other investments and watch it grow exponentially. Your money is now working its ass off for you rather than the other way around. And wham bam, thank you, madam You've now created your own economy. All right. Our guest of honor today is none other than the Ken Van Lu, who has always dreamed big. My man has built Manhattan skyscrapers and studies under Tony Robbins. Ken is a titan in the world of real estate, responsible for over a billion dollars of commercial construction across dozens of projects and has forever changed the New York skyline. He regularly speaks on stages, including NYU Real Estate Institute and the College of Engineering at Rutgers University and is a best-selling author. All right, I'm fired up. Let's go.
1: This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley.
0: Ken, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the show.
2: What's happening? How are you, bro? Doing great, man. Doing great. You're looking good over there. Looking good. Yeah, you know, trying to stay in shape. You know, I I wrote it down. It was probably 20 years ago. I wanted to be the best shape of my life when I hit 60. So I'm 59 and (laughs) I'm going to go.
0: There we go, man. See those lats, man. They're bulging.
2: <laughs> yeah, all those years of playing football and doing that, you know, that trap exercise. <laughs> yep. There
0: you go. That's that's the one, man. That's the one. All right, man. Well, let's let's jump right in. What what's your story, uh, for those folks that are living under a rock and don't know about you? Uh, take it back as far as you want.
2: Yeah. You know, I grew up in a middle class family. My dad climbed telephone poles. My mom was a banker. And uh, she bought me my first piggy bank and, and then brought me to the bank to open up my first account, gave me the value of money. But, you know, I um, never really you know learned how to make money. Fourth grade, I started failing, you know, classes. I, I had a hard time reading comprehending. I wasn't the hard, hard, you know, best student. Um, I was on the, you know, fast forward. I, I was on the six year college plan, you know, so it took me a while to get into engineering, but I never gave up. Um, I then, you know, took a few times before I passed my PE exam. I took it five times. By that time, when I became (laughs) a professional engineer, I was making a lot of money in construction in New York City. Um, But in engineering school, I happened to win a site development award where in 1985, I designed a 13 acre site and that planted a little seed, um, you know, along with the seed that I planted in 1980, you know, that about when I read the book, Robert Allen, I had a know buy property with no money down i just couldn't figure it out because i couldn't afford a car and i'm saying how are people buying a house (laughs) Then i went (laughs) off to college and forgot about that and you know fast forward six years later got an engineering degree and then i was like now what um i was fortunate to have built two skyscrapers for the left rack organization on the water in jersey city and then you know i just went on from there building skyscrapers in new york city um, went on to do a couple master's degrees at night figuring out, you know, thinking that was going to get me to, you know, move up the corporate ladder that I realized wasn't paying me enough to afford the twins. And then I decided to jump out and and do a real estate deal from, I guess, what I would call top down thinking, where most people don't start and do, you know, a $17 million project, you know, on their first project.
0: Yeah, lots of impact there, man. I can certainly relate to you with the blue collar family. I grew up similarly. My mom's a retired grade school teacher. My dad's a retired coal miner. So I can relate where you came from. We didn't really get that financial education. It was just kind of, you know, not, not about real estate or starting a business. It was about, uh, you know, putting your head down and working hard and getting those degrees. Um, it looks like behind you though, man, even though you struggled a little bit there at the beginning, you've got quite a few degrees and certifications behind you.
2: It, you know, I it, you know, what happens as a kid or whatever you know you realize um you know that you're not you're not enough right so then you just keep working hours and hours and hours and you know i thought that uh you know i didn't have it and i wasn't enough and i kept just you know getting them all and getting the licenses and you know it opened tremendous doors and you know i i'm thankful that i did it today but you know i there's definitely other ways to get educated you know
0: yeah definitely definitely man so you know, we always like to talk about inflection points on this show. Do you think reading that book by Robert Allen was one of those inflection points for you where you were like, kind of had that aha moment and started looking at, you know, real estate or alternative investments?
2: You know, it was actually, um, I, was, I was around 27 years old and I had just passed my P exam and I had to go to New Jersey Institute of Technology to get my transcript and literally I'm like, you know, let me go over to the Rutgers library. And I went over to the Rutgers library, you know, probably cause there was more girls hanging out on that <laughs> campus, but New Jersey Institute of Technology was all guys, you know, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, I, I walk in and uh, I see this book on syndication. I wasn't even sure what syndication it said syndication and joint ventures. And I pulled the book off the, sh- you know, off the shelf. And I, I, you know, I took it out and, uh, I started reading it and, and the point that really the inflection point was in the first paragraph it said, you know, anyone can put a syndication together. They could be a builder, a doctor, a you know, a banker, a lawyer, a social worker. And I was like, wow, you know, I get along with people really good. I could put together people, you know, I could put together people. And I just had this plan on creating a syndication, you know. And that's yes. how it started.
0: That's cool, man. So you kind of figured that, that out before it got, you know, into the mainstream. And now you hear about it more and more. But back in the day, it wasn't like that, right?
2: Yeah, you know, I didn't, I honestly hadn't heard the word before. And then I like <laughs> looked up Ron Trowbridge and I read this big fat book. And, um, you know, I kind of put it into my own terminology. You know, I put 20 people together and my first project out of the box was a $17 million development of 113 bed assisted living, 72,000 square feet. And because I had the building background, you know, I was so fascinated that that I had this project. I went and prefabricated the, you know, most of the building out in Pennsylvania and had all the studs shipped in from Jersey actually. And then the planking from Pennsylvania and just erected a 72,000 square foot building. I think it was up in like six weeks, it was crazy
0: that's incredible man you've got a crystal ball i mean you're seeing the the assisted living the syndications it's like (laughs) you're a step ahead man
2: and the funny thing was i didn't even know what a certificate of need was when you know i guess you know i I believe you know and and you know god's brought me down this path you know to to get here so i could help pay it forward to your listeners and you know let's you know do something together we've been talking about it
0: (laughs) yeah for sure, man. Let's let's rewind a little bit back to the, the skyscrapers, man. A lot of people can't even kind of comprehend that, right? They see skyscrapers in, you know, the big downtowns of, of major cities. And it's like, I mean, yeah. how did you get into that? How did you get into building a skyscraper? That's like the, the apex of development.
2: Yeah, hey, great question. You know, I I was a hustler. So while going to school at night, I worked for an attorney doing construction claims and literally he opened up his office to me which was just a great great opportunity and one day one of his clients uh worked for lear mcgovern bovis lear mcgovern at the time it was a, a it was a big construction management firm and they had landed the restoration of the statue of liberty and he starts telling me this i'm like wow you know what is this like big construction thing and i was a civil engineer doing construction claims and he starts you know just telling me about these fascinating projects and I'm looking online and my eyes just like lit up I was like this is crazy and he's like you know I'm building this project in Poughkeepsie New York and I'm thinking about leaving one day you know would you be interested I was like to build a project I said I'd move there in a heartbeat I'm single you know (laughs) so the next thing you know I moved to Poughkeepsie New York and uh, I'm project manager project super on this 32 unit condo coming out of the ground in the middle of the winter and as i was finishing up that project i i had so much confidence you know, i'm 25 years old just finished a building you know or like 23 years old I told my wife i'm gonna i'm i saw this article in the paper building a 10-year project on the waterfront i find out a little bit about it. it was the left rack organization i looked them up they had built 88 thousand apartments they were redoing the whole waterfront. And I just called my wife with total certainty. Most of my wife, my girlfriend at the time. I said, I'm moving back to New Jersey. I'm gonna be building a high rise on the water. She's like, hey, you're crazy. Sure enough, two weeks later, I had this job running two 33 story buildings. I was 25 years old on the water. And I literally, coming out of the ground, we were pouring a floor like every other day. It was a concrete plant right on the site. I could see 40 concrete trucks coming at me from like, you know, across this major (laughs) field. Looked like two miles away, but we had the whole waterfront. We had our own whole concrete plant, it was amazing. And when I finished that at like 26, 27, I went to work for another developer. um, And I did a bunch of buildings in Northern New Jersey. And uh, he he became a mentor and he says, you know, if you you really want to do this, you got to go to New York City and build high-rise. He goes, you built one on the water. He says go do that for 10 years and you can go anywhere in the world and when i left that developer i went and i worked for that company bovis i went you know years later and i worked myself up the ladder from super to project executive and then i uh jumped out and worked for some other big developers in new york city and then in the, you know that was about 20 year period so fast forward to 2001 you know i opened up my own company 97 actually but by 2001 we were at full gear
0: That's cool, man. How did, what did that transition look like? Kind of going from, you know, engineer to working your way up the ladder to then just going out on your own and actually having your own projects and running those things.
2: Yeah. Great question. You know, I, I, I looked at it like this, you know, so I started this engineering thing and I'm like, wow, I know how to design a subdivision. This is pretty cool. I can design the drainage and, you know, I know how to understand it all. No one can bullshit me, you know, and then I learned how to build a building and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, I how to build a building and then it got down to I didn't know how to finance them. And that's where the second master's degree came in at NYU. And then I kind of put them all together. And I'm like, wow, if I could try this myself, that'd be pretty cool. And it was in 1996, I made a move uh, to a small GC and I brought it from like five to 40 million. And then they wanted to become a a women's business owned enterprise. And I said, that's not my path. And at that point in 97, um, you know, I opened up my own company, um, but I wasn't quite ready. So it took almost till 99 of me kind of working at night and, you know, putting, you know, getting the confidence to kind of break free. Um, when I convinced my, my wife after a golf outing, um, to take some money out of the piggy bank, cause I was going to quit my job and, and join a country <laughs> club. And, and raise money and develop a property. She thought I was nuts, but that's how it started. It was, it was crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, you know, going back to that time, it's tough to go from, you know, getting that paycheck, especially when you've worked your way up to a high position, you're making a lot of money. And then you're like, you know what, I'm just going to go out and do it on my own. And then you're in total control of your own destiny, but those paychecks stop. And then you've got to, you've got to make it on your own at that point.
2: Yeah. You know, that was a real eerie feeling and I'll, I'll tell you how I, you know and you being probably a lot smarter than me with all those degrees over there. But, you know, I, I just tried to break it down in the sense, you know, my wife, I, I kind of merged all that together. I was making back in the day there, it was over 150 grand. I think I was probably up at like 170 grand, you know, cause they paid us a lot of money to run those big projects. <laughs> and I, and I said to myself, you know, I can't, I still can't really afford, um, you know, the, the the diapers and the formula and the vacations <laughs> and the lifestyle I wanted. So I always kept thinking, you know, how can I earn fees? I didn't have a lot of capital. And, um, you know, I just really created this system in my head where I says, you know, if I could create this taxation filtration system, which I literally did, I drew it all out. I went to my accountant, my lawyer. I said, well, I get in trouble if I do this. <laughs> and they're like, no, but that's right on the fine line, you know, but literally I had a C corp where I said, if I take a hundred grand in and I pay off a bunch of bills and then zero that out into an S corp, pay all my bills and then zero that out into two LLCs. One was an administrative, one was me as a consulting. it was my wife and I. And then from there, pay off some expenses and actually pay our kids, which was legal. I ended up dumping in a hundred at the top and paying taxes on 30 and literally lowering, lowering my need for money because everything was being paid at all these company expense levels. So I managed to live off 60 grand, use the other 40 to buy this 12 acre piece at, uh, you know, that 12 acre piece that I developed contingent upon approval. And with that hundred grand, you know, I literally never looked back. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's crazy what you can do with taxes when you own your own business and filter it through, you know, LLCs and corporations compared to, you know, if you're working for somebody you're just paying your taxes and you're paying a yeah. lot, especially if you're making a lot of money, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly, exactly.
0: Well, cool, man. What, what do you think are some of, you know, you, you worked your way up, you, you started your own company, you, you built that out and been wildly successful. You know, what are some of the sacrifices you think you, you had to make um, to kind of get that far to, to be mm-hmm. this successful of an entrepreneur?
2: Yeah, you know, the, the, uh, the initial sacrifices, which, you know, which took me a couple of years to resurrect was, you know, being away from my family, you know, I literally woke up every day at five o'clock in the morning, you know, being a super on the job when the men were going up at the hoist at 630 the super had to be here like at six, you know, stopping the trailers, if you needed something done, they went up in the hoist, before, you know, forget about it, you know, that you weren't getting it done that day, you know, and, um, you know, that's, you know really you know you know getting up early having that morning routine um you know believing in yourself you know are some of the mindsets you know going out there and um you know just you know just never giving up you
0: know yeah i mean that exactly a motivation you know it, it comes and goes right i mean some mornings you get up and it, it's rough and you're like oh man I, I don't feel like getting out of bed i want to sleep in a couple more hours and it just kind of comes and goes I mean, what what would you, you know, what would you tell listeners are kind of the best way to achieve long-term success like you have, rather than just kind of being motivated today and, and having a really productive day, but instead being motivated long term and just being able to be productive, you know, over, over the long term?
2: Yeah, I mean, first, you know, you got to start with, you know, a compelling future, you know, and and really, you know, have a vision, you know, and believe that you can create anything, you know, anything is possible. You know, I, I, I always believe that, you know, two things that have really helped me out is creating a morning routine, getting up, you know, a little earlier than everybody else. You know, you know, I, I got up at five o'clock in the morning, I always felt like, you know, people strolling in at eight. I had a good three hours ahead of them. And then on top of that, you know, is, is time blocking mastery. You're like really, you know, sitting down on a Sunday night and spending an hour about how you're going to block your time out to achieve the goals you want five years down the road. you know It's really about reverse engineering and having that clear vision on where you wanna be five years down the road and realizing like, what do I have to do today in order to get there for sure in five years down the road?
0: Yeah, I love that, man. You've gotta have goals, right? You've gotta see what those goals are down the line, even your goals for tomorrow or next month or next quarter or 10 years from now, have those goals and, and reverse engineer it and figure out what you gotta to do today to, to get there in the long run.
2: Yeah, no doubt
0: well let's you know i really want to know who's the who's the real ken van lu man what what's what's kind of your passion and, and what makes you tick what what makes you get up early in the morning to like you said to to get through all that stuff and to you know keep pushing every day to, to be your best self i mean what what really makes you makes you tick
2: yeah you know i'll tell you th- this is something i've been doing since i was a kid and um you know i i've always liked magic I don't know if you've ever, you know, and it's funny because you can actually take the coin and place it in your hand, just give it a little blow and you can vanish it. And then you just take another piece of dust and you can actually just bring it back. But, you know, I like bringing more (laughs) money, time and magic into people's lives. And I've been doing magic since I was a little kid. Um, it, it wakes me up every day. You know, I carry coins and cards with me every day. I have, um, three amazing kids uh, my son is a U.S intelligence Marine officer black belt and karate and Eagle Scout um you know I don't know where he came from but you know you know I know that he's <laughs> you know, he's he's serving our country so that that gets me up every morning um you know I, I realized that I used to complain going to New York City being cold but after learning a little bit about his infantry trainings and being out in the freezing cold with like with nothing and soaking wet, I'm not cold anymore. But, uh, you know, my and then I have two wonderful daughters and I my, my beautiful wife that I've been with, married for 33 years and been with her for 30, this is 39 years now, um, is really what gets me up. And, you know, I have such a passion for real estate. You know, I, I, I have to, you know, force myself to shut it off. I just love working it, um, building educational platforms, helping others. You know, so, you know, I'm, I'm I'm either developing something, looking to buy something or coaching somebody and, you know, balancing that out with the time blocking, you know, so that I, you know, I have the the 22 percent that I need with my family each week and, you know, all that kind of stuff, because life never gets balanced. You know, you have to um, you, know, you got to get your business done and, you, you know, you got to keep your priorities straight, which is family but the time thing is never balanced, you know? So you gotta be able to create these magical moments with your loved ones and your, you know, your children that they never ever forget. You know, each one of my children had a special thing with me, my son, you know, my son, it was scouting. My other daughter became uh, like a master of culinary and dietetics and nutrition. And it was from going out to date nights all the time and talking to the chef. And then my youngest went big into equine and So it's creating those magic moments in your life. And I'm not just talking about, you know, create them for yourself, you know, you know, you know, create magic moments for yourself that you can never forget. Reward yourself, you know, you know, I'm really, really big on measuring, you know, because if you want to create any type of process mastery, you have to mirror and model. But if you don't set a basis of measuring, you know, you're really not going to get the result that you want. You know, and a lot of the process mastery that you want is right in front of you where people keep thinking, you know, you got to meet more people, meet more people, you know, focus on who you already know and become genuinely interested in what they do and listen at a whole new level of transformation and you'll see things that you've never seen before.
0: That's incredible, man. That's incredible. Let's go back to that, that point on balance. What do you mean by, because everybody always talks about trying to find balance, right? They're trying to find a work life, you know, family life balance. And you say that you can't really find that balance. Go into that a little bit more. What, what do you mean by that?
2: Yeah. Well, it's it's not that you can't find it, but with people think like there's that I'm going to have like balance in life, like life is just not balanced and life right. is not fair. <laughs> right? Period. Right. You're going to swim with sharks. There's going to be people trying to take advantage of you. There's times where, you know what, I have to go get that money because it's going to take care of my family. So you have to like go away from your family a little while. So, you know, but you got to like, if you don't know that it's being done by design, you create damage. It's like, it's like a bull in a China closet. Sometimes, you know, you're walking through, you know, crashing things and, you know, entrepreneurs are a little crazy. Um, you know, and, and, and if I knew that and I'm sharing it now that, you know, by design, you know, if, if, you know, like I didn't have to like disconnect from my family and make them feel disconnected, I could have pre-framed them and said, Hey guys, you know what, for the next 30 days, you're not going to see Dad. you know, like I have this, we have the turnover and I'm going to be getting limos home at night because I'm going to be, you know, pushing 600 guys till midnight so that we can turn over that skyscraper and, you know, it was hard because then I would do school at night. You know, I'd work all day, four days a week, I'd go to school at night. And, it you know, I created that whole magic moment thing that I shared before because I was away for a long time. And I I, I analogized myself as, well. Wow, you, you broke a lot of those nice little, uh, you know, knickknacks as you were going through, <laughs> you know, going through the room. You know, now you got to go buy some new ones, you know. So, you know, I just shared that because, you know, You got to do what you got to do, which gets you out of balance, but you got to know how to maintain the balance, if that makes sense. You know, so like if you're cranking for, you know, six days in a row, you know, take, you know, if, if Sunday's not your day, take a Monday and go, you know what guys, we're all going to go out to the zoo today and buy like big chicken or just do something (laughs) crazy that they will never, ever forget. And then you get, you, you recharge your battery, right? you connect at this level that they will never forget. And like, everything's really cool, you know, moving forward. It just, it like reduces the friction.
0: Yeah. I, I love that, man. It, it, it's hard to just keep, a. I mean, you don't want to stay here all the time. It's like, sometimes you've got to put a lot of time into your business because it needs that focus. It needs you there. It needs your time and attention. So you put all your focus and energy there and then you run back across and then you put all your time and energy with your family to create those magical all in moments that you talked about. And then at least when you're you know, in your business, you're present. And when you're with your family, you're present. And I think that gets lost sometimes because you know, sometimes you're spending time with your family and you're not really there. You're thinking about business or you're in your business and you're thinking about your family. If you can figure out a way, like you said, to kind of create those magic moments with your family and then also focus on your business, you can be all in on one side or the other. And, and that's kind of its own way of balancing.
2: Yeah. And, and that's something you're going to want to even reiterate because it's even tougher now. We chatted upon it a little bit, you know, how the world has changed. So a lot of people are working out of their house and, you know, you really don't want to get in, you, you want to, you know, keep changing, be dynamic, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, don't get stuck in that, you know, but, uh, it's all. Good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It makes it even more difficult. That's probably why, why you're back in the office, hanging out with your, your general it, counsel.
2: <laughs> it, it, it's funny that you say it. Cause you know, I, I was looking, I'm like, wow, you know, like, you know, I, I, I have my workout. You know at my house now i have my my man cave you know i, I have the podcast set up you know i'm not leaving here much <laughs> yeah. so you know i'm like i'm going to the office i gotta get back into the routine you know
0: yeah i went yeah. to the city
2: yesterday i was hanging out with bill walsh manhattan's livening up again and uh you know things are just happening so it's exciting i got my girls are getting married this year we got two weddings and it's just really cool
0: Oh, awesome. Congratulations. Congratulations on that, man. Yeah. Well, let's jump into a little bit of, you know, what, what current projects are you working on? And then I'd, I'd like to jump into the, the modern wealth building formula.
2: Sure. Sure. You know, real exciting. You know, I, I, at 18, 17, my, my sweetheart, high school sweetheart moved to Chester, New Jersey, broke my heart, thought I was going to marry her and everything, you know, but anyway, um, Still friends with her today, believe it or not. But when she moved to Chester, there was this world-renowned people that, you know, I've mentioned it around the world, they've heard of it, the Chester, uh, the Larson's Turkey Farm. And I couldn't even really afford to bring her there, you know, at 17 when I got my car, as you heard, I couldn't afford a car and I didn't even elaborate too much on on the no money down thing. But I ended up buying this 26-acre farm and developing it. So we're restoring this 100-year-old restaurant, but I was able to sign a 20-year lease with CVS Pharmacy, which I'm real excited about. And uh, I have a affordable housing component, so that the city's kind of tied to working with us. And then we have a, a, a market rate portion, and then we have 20,000 square foot of uh, medical office that we're going to be building. And that's real exciting. I just landed 28 acres in Little Egg Harbor, where today I was kind of laying out I want to do some self-storage some flex office I'm also envisioning some medical office and one of those urgent cares that you've probably seen in your cities you know I built one in Manhattan one time and then I have another 13 acres in Bedminster that were kind of still in conceptual planning we were going to do an affordable housing play that we got knocked out of the box by the Kushner family so it's nice to be close to the president and um you know, all that kind of good stuff or the former president, you know, cause they get, they get the inroads on something. I was like, what? You gotta be kidding me, but they had a property that they owned and, and it worked out better for them, but we'll capitalize. Yeah. So we got a bunch of developments going on and, um, you know, and, you know, he's looking for acquisitions, you know, so, but, but deals are, uh, are hard to find these days. So we're, we're, we're pounding the pavement and, you know, and that's, that's what's happening.
0: That's cool, man. That's cool. What would you tell our listeners who have kind of a full-time W-2 like you used to have? And, you know, there's a lot of passive investments you could, in, you could get into nowadays, and they're trying to figure out they should go passive, but they might have an interest in going active. I mean, what would you tell them? Do you think they should jump in to, a, you know, a passive syndication, maybe invest in one of your deals, or they should go active? I mean, what, what do you think? What, what's the best approach nowadays?
2: Yeah, you know, I always say take a two-prong approach, you know, and and as I've learned over the years, I, I kind of sat on that fence for a long time, um, wondering how to do it passively. I didn't really know a lot about it. And then I figured, well, how could I leverage a little bit of money, you know, so it becomes a better passive play. But, you know, I mean, we have projects that people can invest in. We also have some introductory programs, my Financial Freedom Protocol you know, shows you hands-on investing in residential real estate, but it also gives you a passive perspective where if you were just a syndicator, for example, and you weren't like a hands-on fixer and flipper, you know, that's something that you can look at. And I purposely repositioned that program towards residential because I realized in my commercial world and trying to tell people to think (laughs) from the top down, you know, you know, some people want to start from the bottom up, you know, so I wanted to kind of you know fulfill the gamut and have a, a spot where people can jump in in the residential and see what I actually did when I was founder and CEO of flipping USA where we did 137 deals in one year and that's what the financial freedom protocol basically is it's my operations manual from flipping usa and then my uh I hope it to be you know my my brand one day because I'm not going to be able you know I'm not going to be alive forever is the modern wealth building formula which is really, my formula on how I syndicated my first project, and then I, how I proved it, even did it on a skyscraper, you know, after the assisted living in 2008, when we built 240 Park Avenue, and then proved it out in Flipping USA, and, and that worked out real well, so, you know, that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, what, what we're proud of right now, you know.
0: Yeah, so what are some? what, You know, what is the the modern wealth building formula like? What give us a insider look at that? We'll we'll drop a link for sure in the show notes, but maybe give us a little preview. Yes,
2: yeah, so it'll probably say, well, you know, what what's the difference from the old formula? You know, and I, I guess <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, there are a lot of differences in the sense, you know, related to mindset. You know, because I came, you know, from kind of a Tony Robbins background, and then I did a bunch of landmark education training, and I was an introduction leader, and I I studied integrity for 13 weeks and since then i've studied it and studied a paper that came out of harvard you know all about honoring your word and you know you know and when you look at it from just a morality perspective you know when you honor your word and 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 always do the next best thing it takes it your integrity to you know another whole level you know and um you know, I'm breaking my own pattern here on the question. What was the original question there? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, just
0: tell I'm, us about, yeah, no worries, man. Tell us about the, the modern wealth building formula. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: yeah. So I went off on the integrity because, um, you know, without integrity, nothing works, you know? So, you know, what I realized, um, you know, on the modern wealth building formula, it was really this, this process on how I mastered real estate investing and You know, I was telling you that it was about the mindset with the Landmark Education and the Tony Robbins and the Jack Canfield, that really that mindset about never giving up, you know, continuous and never ending improvement. And, you know, those were some of my mentors coming into play. But that thinking and training and, you know, starting out with a Dale Carnegie course when I first got married, you know, kind of all accumulated to like, what was I really doing? Like, how did I raise a family you know, how did I stay married for 33 years? You know, how did I have a job with, you know, a number one CM firm? How did I start a business? And I started to, to think about when I built a skyscraper, I said, this skyscraper was like this extraordinary life I built because, you know, the foundations would take six months. And then this, the superstructure, which I had a concrete company was like your backbone. And, you know, in order to weather the storm, you had to get the skin on real quick and put the roof on. And then you went into the finishes and life was like a you know, an elevator up and down roller coaster, you know, and then you had to, you know, really polish your, you know, your, you know, your life and, you know, get the heart of the matter and the, you know, get the breathing going, the HVAC and the electric. And, you know, it all started to come together where this modern wealth building formula, how to master real estate investing was how I created this extraordinary life and how there was an analogy to this building of the skyscraper thing. You know, I was going to say, that's my next book, by the way, but, you know, <laughs> you know, I realized that it was a a system on how to find, fund, and facilitate real estate. And, you know, I I just looked at it, and I was like, okay, you know, I found my first deal very, you know, differently than most people. You know, it was through relationships of talking to, um, you know, a friend who led me to an architect, who led me to a dentist. You know, most people find a deal in the newspaper. I was talking to people in my field, just asking and, creating possibilities out of conversation. And um, and then I realized that, you know, my funding thing, I didn't know what I was doing. I I told you, I, I told my wife, let me join the country club after playing my first round of golf. And I started doing presentations. And the next thing you know, I was raising money, um, you know, just in a different way than most people did. And I used to go to, back then it wasn't even Staples and I would do the board with the I would put the vinyl on there to show the graph what the rate of return was. I had the little pointer, I wore my suit and died all cool and everything. And I was like, wow, this funding works. I raised $1.7 million and got a loan from the New Jersey EDA. And then I facilitated the process. So I was like, wow, this is not only like a financial freedom protocol, it's also a fine fund and facilitate system. And that's when all these programs started coming out. And I started you know, delineating in my mind on how I can cover the full spectrum of real estate investing. And that's when we have residential, commercial, development, and masterminds. And we just started the Global Real Estate Investment Academy, which we're real proud. And that's going to be personalized training. So we got all kinds of things going on.
0: That's awesome, man. Looking forward to checking that out. Uh, This this is kind of a a selfish question, but because you have so much going on with you know, a, a wide diversity of different types of investments. I mean, turkey farms, apartments, skyscrapers, medical condos, what types of assets are you bullish on in the near term and in the, in the far term?
2: That's a great question. It's funny. Cause I was just talking to my buddy, Zach Childress and he, he screws me all up. He's like, hey, <laughs> you got to start checking out the EBITDA of these companies. And like, I just bought this company and I bought it for like two times EBITDA, or like like half, no fifty cents EBITDA, and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? He goes, well, that, and I'm just teasing. And he goes, <laughs> and, and and you know, he goes, no, this this companies make hundred fifty thousand a year. I gave him seventy five grand. I got twenty five. But I'm like, really, that opportunity's out there. So, you know, I think companies are a good asset to look at because coming out of the pandemic, you know, where they have EBITDAs, but don't have the cash flow or the lead system. What I call is you can merge ecosystems with those people. If you have lead systems, lead generation systems, or you have know-how. And now he's got me thinking about, wow, I have all these like trade contractors that are sucking wind, you know, if I threw 50 here or 20 here, like who knows what that could lead to. So I'm now gonna look at companies and, you know, maybe mergers and acquisitions as some type of asset, you know, uh, view. Um, but i you know, I always think real estate is something that, you, you know, you need to keep in. And, um, you know, recently someone brought to my attention, you know, precious metals and stuff, not, you know, this is all stuff that's not my ballywick, but, you know, now at my age, I guess I could start looking at that kind of stuff and, you know, <laughs> people say I should invest in Bitcoin, but, you know, my advisors are like it really doesn't have any value, you know, there's no, you know, way to value it, you know? So, I, I mean, who knows? I'll study that one day, you know?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I I know a friend who actually started a a, I think it's $10 million fund so that he could go out and buy businesses. Um just buy the actual businesses. I mean everything from you know something in in the service industry like coffee shops to gyms to you know online businesses. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Great idea. I'd like
2: to learn more about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Definitely, man. All right. Well, let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's
1: time for the Freedom Four.
0: What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy?
2: Yeah, I have to go back to, uh, you know, my alarm goes off at five. I have a a 30-minute get ready. Um, And then at 5.30, I move for 50 minutes. And then right after that, I meditate. And after that, I'm I'm pretty golden. You know, I, I fuel my body and then not rush into my day. And, you know, I designed my life after many, many years of getting up at five and rushing out the door to do that but that's, uh, that keeps me sane. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> gotta
0: have, yeah, got to have that morning routine. It's working, man. It's, <laughs> it's working. Um, what's one life hack, be technology or, or otherwise, or just something in life you used to be your most productive self?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I have to go with, um, I read this article, uh, geez, must have been five, six years ago. It was called The Secret Weapon. And it led me to a simple app called Evernote, which is like my information retrieval Bible. I have probably f- over 4,000 things at my fingertips at all times. And it's all um, categorized and tagged. So like at any moment, if I, you know, I'm sitting in a parking lot and I got some dead time and I type in calls, like all my calls will pop up that I need to make. Um, and that that's kind of a little hack that I created with Evernote. And then, The other thing is I have this time blocking sheet, which people think I'm crazy, where like I look at every single minute of the day or hour of the day, 168 hours of the day. And um, what I've done is I've calculated the the percentages of all the time that I spend. So when we talked about that balance thing, I could actually look at my time blocking chart and see that like, okay, I'm 11% on my spirituality, I'm 22% on my relationships, um, I'm 60% here. Okay. I need, you know, I need to adjust this. Yeah. And then, you know, like I create like, you know, this, now I'm creating a fun Friday. So I can start playing more golf. <laughs> you there, you go. there You go. Know, you go. so, so I'm going to cancel you, it too.
0: Do you do that manually or is there like an app or something for that?
2: Nah, I just do it on an Excel spreadsheet kind of <laughs> manually, you know, because, um, and I, I do it maybe twice a year just to kind of look at that snapshot. Cause there was a time yeah, yeah. where, you know, like, you know your relationships get strained, you know, there was times where me and my wife, you know, we you know, we talked about divorce, you know, and it was like, you know, we're only talking a half hour, like a week, (laughs) you know, or like, you know, we were all that, you know, it's like, you know, because like, you know, like I was never around, I was going to school, like, why don't we create a date night, you know, and then we started date nights on Friday, and we had super or soulmate Saturday, and then we had you know super soul sunday there, whatever you know so we created yeah. these things to do together you know
0: yeah that's cool man that time blocking was born right then
2: <laughs> yeah exactly and i got my pomodoro like little sand things on my desk and you know because you can only concentrate using for 20 minutes and then you're thinking about something else yep. you know it's so little little things like that
0: yeah yeah what's one actual step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom
2: Yeah, I would have to say, um, you know, give yourself, you know, wake up one hour earlier a day because that's going to be 356 extra hours you're going to have this year. And if you, you know, you divide that by 40, you know, that's that's pretty substantial, almost eight additional weeks, right? Even more than that, that you're going to have this year. And in eight weeks, you could create an extraordinary life.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, a lot of people think that they don't have enough time in the day. They're like, I can't, you know, I can't learn about real estate investing. I can't learn about this new business. You know, I've got a full-time job. I've got kids. I've got all this stuff to do. But, you know, you can create time for yourself if you make it a priority. If you If you have to get up an hour earlier and get, you know, six hours of sleep instead of seven or something like that do what you got to do, even if it's for a short amount of time to you can kind of create that flexibility and freedom. You need to, to accelerate your, your wealth and your happiness.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: All right. Last but not least, how has passive income made your life better?
2: Well, it's definitely given me more money, time and magic in my life. And I don't want to steal that phrase. That's, that's my partner, Sean Callagy. Um, you know, I'm the magician, but he, he has, uh, I, he's, he's, he's a blind man. I may have told you he's a blind attorney unblinded mastery. And, um, you know, he's taught me some things recently, but passive income, you know, when I met Sean, I, I realized how great, you know, how blessed I was. Um, you know, cause sometimes you for, you forget, <laughs> you know, or you get hung up on, you know, everybody's normal, um, you know, on how much, you know, opportunity and money I have and properties I own, you know, and it was really about, you know, how do I put more magic in, in, in my life? You know, how, you know, now's grandkids are coming. And so I'm always looking at putting more magic and, you know, but it really comes down to money, time and magic in your life.
0: Perfect, man. All right, Ken, really appreciate you coming on today. Where can our listeners find out more about you?
2: Uh, it's real simple, kenmanloo.com. You know, I have a free strategy session. Just click on the discover how button. And uh, you can get a copy of my book, all that stuff right on the website.
0: All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Great having you.
2: Yeah, Seth, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: All right, kiddos. That was Ken Van Lue. Bringing the heat. Such a great guy. And what a resume he has. Major key. Dream big. If you do what everyone else does, you're going to get what everybody else has. And you're better than that. You're smarter than that dream big and accomplish much. All right, let's start buying back some of that precious time. Let's start building some alternative passive income streams together. Go to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and join our Esquire Passive Investor Club. Until next time, folks, enjoy the journey.